Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of May 24, 2020. Sound Prince is now in its 19th year of broadcasting, and we hope that you are enjoying the program as much as we are enjoying bringing it to you. Sound Prince began on May 13, 2002. The Alumni Association of the Kentucky School for the Blind will not be holding its annual reunion this year due to restrictions from the coronavirus. However, we will be bringing you the memorial service and will be making an announcement very soon about when and how that memorial service will be held. On page two is an interview with Deb Trevino, now from Delaware. Deb will be telling us about a new crochet book that she has available and by way of explanation she mentions using Lego boards as a way to design the patterns for her squares. For those of you who may not be familiar with Legos, a Lego board is a little base plate that is used for building various shapes out of Legos. The board or base plate is a flat Lego that has little bumps in rows and columns on the board. You can use it like a piece of graph paper to make shapes or other designs. For more information about a Lego base plate or board, check with any kid you know or call a toy store or check for Legos online. On page three, we have an article from Microsoft about the development of accessible equipment and devices at Microsoft. This is not especially an article about devices and accessible software for blind and visually impaired people, but rather an article about the accessibility initiatives throughout the Microsoft Corporation. We think that you'll find it very interesting. And on page four, Patty Cox visits with us to talk about a couple of the new mini mall items and how you can purchase items from the mini mall. Be sure and listen to that as we know you're going to enjoy all of the opportunities to pick up some new products from the ACB mini mall between now and the convention. You of course can order items by telephone at 877-630-7190 but you can order limited products also as part of your pre-registration process for the ACB 2020 Virtual Conference and Convention. Page two. I'm speaking with Deb Trevino, who used to live in Kentucky, but now is in Delaware. Um, some of you will know Deb as the uh, chair or co-chair of the ACB Awards Committee. Others of you will know her as working with the Delaware affiliate of ACB, and other people know Deb as being part of the Kentucky Council of the Blind, uh, but we're not talking about council things this evening. Deb has, has created a new book of crochet Christmas motifs, and um, when Deb was here in Kentucky, uh, she was all about crafts and knitting and crocheting and, 
any kind of other craft you could come up with. And um, so she's she's doing that now, and she's got this new book out. And uh, Deb, tell us about the book. It was it took me by surprise that I ended up actually turning it into a book. What happened was I was first making little little squares, maybe two by three inches, something like that, and they had little crosses on them. Somebody gave me uh, the pattern, gave me one actually, and then I looked up how to make the popcorn stitch because I didn't even know how to make a popcorn stitch. So I created a duplicate of that cross and thought, this is really cool. So then I made myself a little heart-shaped one, designing it on my own, and I thought, gee, maybe I can make myself something else with this idea. So David said, why don't you try using a Lego board and, and putting designs on there and seeing how it goes? So I took the little single tile square dot Lego cubes, and I started designing. The first thing I made was a tree. Because I remember when I was a little girl, I used to make trees out of four signs on a piece of Braille paper. Um, whenever we had free time in, I guess, Miss Harto's class or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I thought, well, gee, I, um, a snowman should be easy. That's a couple of brown things on top of each other with a hat. And I got pretty ways into snowman. I thought, man, what am I going to do about this hat? Because I had to, de- I had to detect where his head went in and his hat would start. And, I, and rather than just put a brim straight on there, I ended up putting an extra Lego so that it narrowed almost like it was rounding into the hat. Anyway, that went pretty well. And I thought, man, what, what should I do next? And then I decided, no, I did the angel first. I did the angel first. Angel was interesting because I couldn't decide what to do about. At first, when I made it, the wings were open at the bottom. And I thought, no, that's not going to look right. And so I called Ira. And I said, what does this look like to you? He says, oh, maybe a bird. So I <laughs> bottoms of wings. And I said, now, I put a couple of tiles across the top, like a halo. And he says, an angel? And I said, yes, yes, yes. So there's my angel. Then I created a bow, just a plain old, you know, bow, like a, a shoe tie bow. Okay. Um, and I needed to, I needed to, distinguish where the knot would be in the bow. So I decided I'd put five popcorn stitches in that particular popcorn rather than the usual three. And sure enough, it stood out enough to remind people of a knot. So there's my bow. Then the bells. Well, I didn't make them round bells. I made them, you know, like coming down to a wider point at the bottom and rounded at the top, and nothing, nothing in the middle. It was, it was. Well, it did, it did fill in the bottom, middle, uh, bottom a little bit, I think. So they're, they're, they're bell shaped, but they're, they remind you of candy kisses that are a little misshapen, a little bit different shape. But mm-hmm. got the them made, and the candy cane about drove me crazy because I, I asked my writing group friends how I should make the candy canes. And they said, um, you should make them tilt from, from right, uh, right top where the crook would be down toward the left side. And I did that and I said, well, it looks mighty plain. So I moved it over and put two on, on each square. So there are two mm-hmm. candy canes and they're both, they both have the crook facing to the left with the right top and then the left where is where the tip of the canes are. 
And then I had, oh, Lord, how am I going to make these red canes white? Because you got to have white in a in a, a cane. I, oh, Lord. Yeah. For Christmas, you've got to have it red and white. Yes. I was like, how am I going to do that? So what I did is I went up through the popcorn with white underneath. The, I kind of like pinched the popcorn stitch up, went up under it, around the top, and then back up through it so that there was a a, a circle over the top of the red. Then I went up to the next one and did the same thing. So it was an upward upward um, process. And lo and behold, everybody said it looked pretty good. So so that was a candy cane. And was that the last one? Let's see. We've got a snowman, a Christmas tree, an angel, a candy cane, a bell, and a bow. Yeah, so we have all six. Yep. That's all of them. Okay. Yeah. And I, when I when I thought about this, I was just going to make a blanket. But I got to thinking more about it because I was taking a class from Western Seminary online on a, a introduction to disability and the church. And we were reading about universal design and how much more sense it makes to create things from the ground up, like the rubberized playgrounds and things that are safer for children, Rather than going in and redoing things and retrofitting our churches and our buildings and the things that we have to accommodate folks, because inevitably, since it wasn't created that way, it doesn't work as well. I mean, the the per, say the ramp maybe is not at the back door and not the front door, and that's the only way you can get in the building. Or maybe like the chapel at um, at Louisville Seminary, you could get part way up by ramp, but you couldn't get all the way up, and you couldn't get a wheelchair. <laughs> Yeah. That thing was built in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I decided to, to make each of these um, motif items in a particular yarn color, and I put a chart in the book which row, six across, I had the items, and then the second row, the way I had them organized. And so a person totally blind can put this afghan together and not have two white squares together in case that, unless that's what they want to do. So not only can you um, make the afghan look just like the sighted person can, but you also can put it on the back of your couch and you could teach your kids colors according to the motif or whatever you want to do. Um, I wanted something that all of us could use and use equally. So it was published by Aztec Printing and Design here in Wilmington, Delaware. And um, I got it to the publisher three days before my birthday, and I had it back in my hands by the end of April. And I've sold, I think, three or four copies so far. It's, it's going for $10 print and $10 Braille as well. I'm using English Braille, not, not uh, UEB. Okay. And I'm making the copies myself. So the name of the book is? It's Perfect. Popcorn, Christmas Afghan to Crochet. And that's a lot for a title, but I wanted it to be, I wanted people who picked it up to know exactly was this a knitting book or crochet book so that you didn't have to look inside to find out were you knitting or crocheting. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a picture of the blanket on the front. Mine is about 50 by 70, give or take an inch or so. Mm hmm. 
Um, okay. I, I used six squares across and seven down to give you an idea how big they are. And if you use the, the hook and yarn, which is indicated, which is just a worsted weight yarn, like a Red Heart Super Saver, then you'll get the same same sort of a project that I did. If you use a thinner yarn, like a sport yarn, your popcorn will be smaller, and you may want to put five in, in a stitch instead of three double crochets so that it would stick out more. Uh-huh. Yeah, and to make it fatter. Right. Yes, to make the popcorn stitches fatter. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. What I did to put it together with is I, I used safety pins to put my squares together, so I had the whole thing laid out and pinned together. Then I started at the bottom right, and I went between the first and second square from, from the bottom, and I, I'm right-handed, so I single crocheted across those two squares. Mm -hmm. Then I turned single crocheted down, down the rightmost, and the next one to the left, so that it made a sideways L shape to look at it. Mm -hmm. So what I did then was I went up above that second one and joined that with the third one and came down stair step-wise. That way you wouldn't have to cut yarn between each row or anything like that. You could keep going down. You have to make sure you don't miss any when you do it this way. And when you get close to the end, you'll be coming between two that have already been done on the far top. But, you know, it's one way. That's how I chose to do it. You could go straight across. You could go straight up and down, whatever pattern you want to use to put your single crochets together. And the single crochet was done with a darker red to contrast with the bow. What I wanted was a frame around the squares that you could feel. So by using a single crochet rather than a whip stitch, you can feel the picture frame effect of the red between the squares. Because mm -hmm. I didn't I wanted to be lazy. <laughs> of front post single crochet around the top edge of the blanket so it would kind of go with the, the raised frame of the squares and I wouldn't have to try to figure out which way does this thing go. That's obviously the top. Yes. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Well, and it's also very versatile because you can use if you don't want a blanket or a napkin that's quite that big, you mm -hmm. can use a smaller hook. You can use a thinner yarn, mm -hmm. or if you want one that is larger, you could you could use a little bit bigger hook size. You can really adjust that gauge and the size. Oh, yeah of your squares. Uh, Deb, did you use uh, doubles in your popcorns? Did you make your popcorns out yes. of double crochets? Yes, I did. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So and that, I, didn't so know, that, I didn't know how to do it. I went online. I Googled uh, how to how to do crochet popcorn stitch. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's how I learned to do it. I just looked at directions and started off, and that was that. Um, didn't put how to do the stitches in the book because mm -hmm. I figured – Somebody on Google can do that far better than I can. I didn't want to get how many yarn overs or anything mixed up or whatever. So, I, mm -hmm. you know, and and I just figured that was the easiest way to handle this. So. Okay, 
All right, so you do have Braille and print copies. Well, Deb, let's give the name of your book again, and let's give how people can contact you and get a copy of this neat new book we have out here for all of us crocheters that love new patterns. So tell us again. Again, the title of the book is Perfect Popcorn Christmas Afghan to Crochet. It has an ISBN, so who knows, at some point it may end up in stores or somewhere. Right now, I'm selling it uh, via PayPal, and the email address to get it is Debra, D-E-B-R-A, dot Trevino, T-R-E-V-I-N-O, 61 at gmail.com. And um, the book costs $10, whether it's Braille or print. If it's print, I'm asking for $5 to get to and from the post office and do, you know, shipping and handling and stuff, which mm-hmm. I think is reasonable with the cost of getting to the post office. Yes, um, it is. Just me $10, and I am, I'm embossing the Braille myself. Okay. And you're doing the Braille, you're sending the Braille free matter then? Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Okay. Sure am. Okay. All right. Well, this is really good. And um, if they have any questions, can they email you? Absolutely. The best way to email me would be my general email is hooksandneedles, obviously all spelled out, hooksandneedles, at live.com. Hooksandneedles at live, L-I-V-E dot com. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, it's, that's really good. I have to have a copy of this for myself because you know, we all, all crocheters just must have all these patterns. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and, and, yeah, and, and this whole, um, the whole idea of using your um, popcorns to make different things, I, I like the idea of setting it up on, on the Lego board mm-hmm. because that lets you just, you really tactily can see how that's going to come out and look before you start crocheting. Oh, and then Lord, it, and I... I had no idea what a starter David looked like. I had given it to my knitting circle and said, hey, somebody look up how to do this for me. Was somebody at mine, you know, putting it on a Lego board and dang on it. took them all two and a half hours to do it. But they mm-hmm. did me, and I brought it home and figured out how to do it. Yes. And, and you can do that with all kinds of things. You could, put, braille, you could put print letters on things. Yes, you know? I took that to heart, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, and you can put Braille letters on there, too. Yes, I took that so. card. I'm going to have Braille print squares. <laughs> That'll be pretty cool. It'll be so. one letter per square. Yeah. Uh, I'll have the letters. I'll have the consonants one color, the vowels another color, and the spaces another color. How fun. Yeah, that that would be that would be neat, too. There's just yeah. so much that you can oh. do with this idea. And right. it's kind of like creating a tactile graph to find. Yes. Yeah, it is. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Deb, thank you so much for being on SoundPrints. Thank um, you. I hope we've given some ideas to knitter, uh, to crocheters out there. And uh, everybody, uh, contact Deb and um, let's get a copy of her book. I think it'll be very great. Happy crocheting to everyone. Page three. This article was posted on Thursday, March 21, and is entitled Stories from Inside Microsoft's Journey to Design a More Accessible World, and ACB Executive Director Eric Bridges is quoted in this article. 
She did not want to stop at the hospital. She had a flight to catch, an accessibility conference to attend in California, and more people to enlist in her journey to build a more inclusive world. She had to get to that event. But Jenny LeFleury's left leg was positively throbbing. The mysterious pain, which had erupted 24 hours earlier, was only growing. So, despite the packed bag in her car and the pressing mission on her mind, she grudgingly agreed when her husband, Tom, suggested that they pause their drive to the Seattle airport and instead visit a nearby emergency room. Tom's insistence saved her life, she would say later. Within an hour, doctors had their diagnosis. A two-foot-long blood clot snaked from her foot to her stomach, reaching perilously close to her lungs. A previously undetected anatomical defect was the cause. That day in March 2019, Leigh was admitted to the intensive care unit. Her flight was canceled. Emergency surgery was scheduled. More would follow. Quote, I never expected at my age to hear a message from doctors. You may not live through this, she recalls. Surgeons successfully reduced the clot size, but the embolism caused long-term leg damage. After leaving the hospital, she relied on two canes to walk. The leg began to heal. More than a year later, she still needed her two canes on some days. Yet to the surprise of no one in her life, Leigh Fleury found both whimsy and wisdom in the harrowing episode. First, the humor. She decided to name her clot. She called it Jerry. Then she named her canes, a.k.a. her trusty steeds, dubbing them Michael and Rosie. She derided Jerry as stubborn, sneaky, and attention-seeking, but soon reported that Jerry and I have figured out how to cohabitate. Next came the insight. Microsoft's chief accessibility officer, a tech exec who is profoundly deaf, now had a visible disability. More than one billion people live with disabilities, and about 70% of those are not immediately apparent, such as deafness. On that level, the clot had moved Leigh Fleury into a somewhat different reality. Early in her career, until about age 30, she purposely hid her severe, ever-increasing hearing loss, originally caused by childhood measles and multiple ear infections. Back then, she feared it would define her. So, no hearing aids, no sign language interpreters. Video captioning at work was not yet a thing. But her perfect diction and exceptional lip-reading skills, honed by practicing in the mirror as a little girl, allowed her to cloak the deafness. Of course, that made work days exhausting. In time, Leigh Fleury accepted and then celebrated the disability, though some colleagues still didn't know she had one. When Jerry came along, everyone saw the canes. Strangers asked Leigh Fleury how she'd been injured. Other people offered advice, some of it helpful. A few well-meaning folks spotted her trudging through hallways and scurried to open doors, 
once causing Fleury to lose her balance and crash to the floor. Yet all of it gave her a fresh view of how millions of folks, people for whom she advocates, depend on mobility equipment, power entry doors, and disabled parking spots, and how they often navigate their days in front of wide eyes filled with fascination, pity, or both. Quote, I'd had 30 or 40 years to get used to the deafness thing, Fleury says. This thing literally happened in the space of 90 minutes. The learning was immense. Still is. Every time those canes come out, the questions come with them. It's in no way representative of what other people live with on a permanent basis, she adds. But good grief, there are things we need to do better. This experience has been a good reminder of why we need people with disabilities to be in the process of product design. End of quote. The episode laid bare many of the personal traits that had aided Fleury since becoming Microsoft's Accessibility Chief in 2016, characteristics that enabled her to bring big changes to a big company. Colleagues say Fleury's leadership style blends relentless honesty, contagious energy, and masterful communication. They describe her as unapologetic about who she is, or what must be fixed, charismatic, convincing, and empathetic. They say she is utterly grounded, yet adept at challenging co-workers to rise to the moment. The Jerry experience only deepened Fleury's drive to elevate accessibility from afterthought to foresight, from a corporate novelty once beset by ROI questions to simply smart business. That calling was heard by many across the company, igniting a shared spirit to reshape Microsoft and its products, while also influencing change inside industries near and abroad. It also meshed with a new business culture fostered by Microsoft Chief Executive Officer Satya Nadella, S-A-T-Y-A-N-A-D-E-L-L-A, a culture that needed to be about realizing our personal passions and using Microsoft as a platform to pursue that passion, as Nadella wrote in his 2017 book, Hit Refresh. For me, my greatest satisfaction has come from my passion to see technology become more accessible for people with disabilities, he wrote, and to help improve their lives in a myriad of ways. Capturing the complete portrait of Microsoft's accessibility progress would require far more than a single lengthy post. That story would fill a fat book. It is a sprawling tale informed by the feedback of thousands of customers and fed by the collective efforts of thousands of Microsoft employees who built a half-decade's worth of products and services to enrich the lives of people with disabilities. The accessibility gains made never would have been achieved without those tens of thousands of collaborators inside or outside the company. What follows is one trek through selected pieces and people embodying that vast, ongoing 
pilgrimage. To see the birth of the inclusive tech lab, you'll need to trek back to the year 2016, locate Bryce Johnson on the Microsoft campus, and take a quick look under his desk. There, piled into several metal toolboxes, Johnson kept a collection of alternative gaming controllers, all made by different companies. He would often pluck them from the boxes, then take them in meeting rooms or other campus gathering spots, encouraging colleagues to try them out. Quote, we needed to show people that not everyone can use a traditional controller, says Johnson, the inclusive lead for Microsoft devices. In other words, Johnson helped demonstrate how some customers were not using Xbox because they were physically unable to manipulate the controls. Other Xbox users, meanwhile, were forced to hack their controllers to match their disabilities. Across the Xbox team and throughout the disabled gaming community, the seeds were sown for a revolution that, in 2018, culminated with the launch of the Xbox Adaptive Controller, designed for gamers with limited mobility. The Xbox Adaptive Controller became part of a growing list of accessible Microsoft products dreamed up and developed since 2014, many hacked on the fly by company employees to boost productivity at work and fun at home. Xbox had such a clear mobility problem, Johnson adds. We had a barrier that we needed to get rid of. In fact, the vision of an Xbox controller that many more people could adapt and use flowed from a team of Xbox employees, says Chris Capasella, C-A-P-O-S-S-E-L-A, Microsoft's chief marketing officer. It's just another example of teams being innovative in their own spaces, totally independent from top-down management. Capacella says, People feel like they can take risks like this, do unusual things. We've unleashed this machine. That machine geared up as Microsoft President Brad Smith prioritized accessibility across all products, touted that quest in his conversations with other senior leaders at the company and, in 2018, invested millions of dollars toward the mission. Smith funded the AI for Accessibility program as part of Microsoft's AI for Good initiative, investing at least $25 million over five years, including grants to organizations and entrepreneurs building artificial intelligence tools for people with disabilities. Quote, Back in 2016, we doubled down on accessibility and our vision to empower more than 1 billion people around the world with disabilities by providing them with technology, Smith says. What we have learned since is that it takes a village, an army of passionate, incredibly talented people to drive change, Smith adds. But when you activate a company like Microsoft, amazing things can happen, end of quote. So, back to those toolboxes that once sat beneath his desk. Johnson and his team realized they needed a dedicated place where people could drop by, interact with the alternative gaming controllers, 
and find the empathy to develop something fresh, something more inclusive. They needed a spot where people could feel what it's like to be a gamer with a disability, an embassy to show other Xbox employees that this was a problem for a certain segment of the population, Johnson says. With minimal budget and scrappy attitudes, they took over a room at Microsoft, painted the walls green and gray, installed desks, office chairs, tables and sofas purchased from IKEA, made it all as accessible as possible, and in 2017, launched the Inclusive Tech Lab. It is an airy space filled with individual nooks, furnished with flat screens and gaming consoles, where more than 7,000 visitors have sampled a patchwork of gaming demos that force users to compete while using parts of their bodies, a knee or a foot or a mouth. They can control a game with their voice or blow into a sip and puff joystick used by gamers with quadriplegia. In that lab, designed for people with disabilities, not about people with disabilities, the Xbox Adaptive Controller game came to life, Johnson says. It has large programmable buttons and connections to external switches, buttons, mounts, and joysticks, letting users create a custom controller experience. Quote, it was the first thing we started, but the last thing we launched, Johnson says. In early 2019, the Xbox Adaptive Controller was featured in its own Super Bowl ad as young gamers with disabilities focused, played, laughed, cheered, and tasted victory. The commercial offered the tagline, When everybody plays, we all win. Quote, This is the thing, Johnson says. We, as Microsoft employees, live off this idea of empowerment. We all want to make a difference. Accessibility before 2015 didn't feel like we were making a difference, he adds. It felt like we were throwing buckets out of a leaky boat. The new focus on accessibility brought the fun and the passion, and honestly, the community. End of quote. An array of other accessible Microsoft inventions and inventors has broadened both the product catalog and that community. At his home in Northern Virginia, Eric Bridges discovered some creative uses for a Microsoft app called Seeing AI. Bridges, who is blind and serves as executive director of the American Council of the Blind, activated Seeing AI on his smartphone to scan schoolwork completed by his son, Tyler, age 5. The app, which describes the world around you, reads Tyler's handwritten answers, allowing Bridges to review the tasks and guide his son. There was more. Quote, I also use it for wine. We're in a wine club, and we just got our shipment. So I pulled out Seeing AI to read the wine labels, he says. The cool thing is there's a suite of Microsoft apps out there that blind people can use, including Seeing AI and Microsoft Soundscape, which give you information about where you are and what's around you. Microsoft developed these applications and makes them free to use, Bridges adds. Seeing AI, which uses computer vision, speaks text as soon as it appears in front of the camera. 
It also scans barcodes to identify products, describes perceived colors, identifies currency bills, and recognizes friends and the people nearby, including their emotions. Bridges worked with the creators of Seeing AI on the initial beta testing. The driving force behind the app, Microsoft Software Engineering Manager Saqib Sheikh, S-A-Q-I-B-S-H-A-I-K-H, has something else in common with Bridges. Sheikh is blind. He lost his sight at age seven. During his college days in the United Kingdom, Sheikh began noodling with the concept of tech that can see. Quote, We had ideation sessions in the dormitory, Sheikh has said. We'd say things like, Okay, we should make a pair of glasses with a camera on it that can look around at everything and describe it out loud. As an engineer, Sheikh collaborated with scientists at Microsoft Research, the company's research and development arm. They relied on cloud computing, which enables a computer to describe the scene in a photo, a breakthrough for Sheikh's dream. His team launched Seeing AI in 2017. Quote, Seeing AI was successful in part because so many employees at Microsoft who are blind and low vision were a part of it, says Mary Bellard, B-E-L-L-A-R-D, Microsoft's senior architect lead for accessibility. In 2015, she played an early role in helping to develop the app at the company's annual global hackathon. Quote, people with disabilities need to be more involved beyond user research. It is not good enough to just say, here, we made a product, is this useful? It has to be more ingrained than that, Bellard added. Globally, only 1 in 10 people with disabilities has access to assistive technologies and products, according to the World's Health Organization. AI solutions may offer a path to close that gap. That helped lead Microsoft to launch its AI for Accessibility initiative. Ballard manages the program. Grants are already supporting innovations like Braille AI Tutor, which helps students practice and improve their Braille literacy skills via gamification. It's built on the very same spirit that fueled seeing AI, Ballard says. Quote, when the history of accessibility is written, Ballard says, there's going to be a big chapter on Apple's iPhone, and at some point in that book, there's also going to be a chapter on seeing AI. End of quote. Years later, Rico Malvar, R-I-C-O-M-A-L-V-A-R, can recall the conversation. And the words still make him smile. Steve Gleason, G-L-E-A-S-O-N, a retired NFL safety whose blocked punt electrified a New Orleans Superdome crowd in the first game after Hurricane Katrina, and a man whose body was later stilled by amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, once revealed a fresh hope to Lay Fleury. Quote, Look, Gleason said, his voice softening, though still audible in 2014, I'm here in a wheelchair. 
I can't move anything. I just have my eyes. Can you give me some eye tracking, he asked, so I can play with my son and argue with my wife? That conversation had started with an email Gleason sent to Microsoft after he was featured in the company's 2014 Super Bowl ad on technology's power to help humanity achieve a greater good. His email reached Microsoft CEO Nadella, who shared it with Leigh Fleury. The challenge galvanized a group of Microsoft engineers, program managers, marketers, and advocates, including Leigh Fleury, to design and build a wheelchair Gleason could drive with his eyes. They dubbed themselves the Ability Eye Gaze Team and formed to compete at the 2014 Microsoft Global Hackathon. It marked Leigh Fleury's first Ability Hack, then a new category within the Global Hackathon, enabling employees to focus on creating technologies that enrich the lives of people with disabilities. Leigh Fleury had 10 Ability Hack projects that year. She kicked off Ability Eye Gaze after speaking with Gleason, his father-in-law, and one of the leaders of Team Gleason, a foundation started in 2011 by Gleason, his friends, and family. The organization helps provide technology, equipment, and services to people with neuromuscular diseases or injuries. Leigh Fleury later became a foundation board member. The Ability Eye Gaze team, which spanned more than 30 members, put Gleason's idea into action. They overhauled a wheelchair, strapped it with electronic gadgetry, as well as slices of styrofoam and lots of duct tape. Gleason was able to operate the chair just with his eyes. That year, the Eye Gaze wheelchair won the Hackathon's grand prize. From that project's inception to its completion, Gleason remained their guiding star and their honest chief analyst. Later that year, when Nadella met with Ability Eye Gaze team to celebrate the win, Malvar was introduced to Gleason and soon began heading a team to bring eye gaze to the market. Quote, Steve is one of the most wonderful people you could possibly meet, says Malvar, leader of the Microsoft Research NEXT Enable Group, which creates technology innovations that improve the lives of people with disabilities, including Microsoft Soundscape and the hands-free keyboard. Quote, he's very critical, very pragmatic. If we bring him phototypes, he will say, improve it this way, or let's do this. It's wonderful. We learn a ton from him. End of quote. Gleason later described how the experience changed his life. Quote, I was at a point in my disease progression where I could no longer drive myself. Stuck, Gleason said. I am no longer confined to my wheelchair. I am set free by my wheelchair. Eventually, that hackathon invention resulted in a new accessibility feature called Eye Control for Windows 10, which allows users to operate an on-screen mouse, keyboard, and text-to-speech features using only their eyes. Not long ago, Leigh Fleury opened the front door to her home 
and spotted her husband and daughter awaiting her arrival. Both were watching her. Both were giggling. Her phone had triggered a smart speaker in the house to automatically play one song, God Save the Queen, as the royal anthem from Leif Fleury's native country blasted away her husband, Tom McCleary, and 12-year-old daughter, Fira, F-I-R-A, broke into full laughter. Their joke was laced with the family's beloved brand of dark humor. Leif Fleury could not hear any of it. Page 4. A Visit with the Mini Mall. With me this afternoon is Patty Cox. She is always found at the convention at the exhibit booth for the Mini Mall. And since we're not going to Chicago this year, she's going to be answering the phones for the Mini Mall when you call and ask for more information or uh, want to place an order. She's going to be helping with that all through the convention. Between now and the convention, we're going to be telling you about a lot of different items. You know, in the past, you've had to wait until the convention began in order to see what was new. But this year, we're going to be bringing out new items all along the way between now and when the convention begins on July 3. So Patty is going to help me describe some of the items and tell you about some of the great features. Welcome, Patty. Thank you. Patty, let's begin with our new ACB Weekend duffel bag. Um, duffel bags are always popular and uh, between duffels and totes, I think there's people that own every duffel bag or every tote bag we've ever brought out in the last seven or eight years. This duffel bag is 600D polyester. It zips at the top, and it has a permanent hard bottom to protect your valuables from impact. The large main compartment holds enough for any weekend getaway. It includes two roomy zippered exterior pockets on the front of the bag, and they are separated by a mesh water bottle holder. The padded handle and the gray shoulder strap make carrying easy and convenient. The bag is 10.5 by 17.5 by just a little over 10 inches, and it comes in a variety of colors, including burgundy, purple, navy, royal, black, turquoise, orange, yellow, and green. Patty, tell us about this bag, especially those front pockets, because they're a little different than you would expect when someone just says, this has a zipper pocket on the front of the bag. Um, first, your colors are very vivid colors. And the turquoise is more of an aqua tone than, a, than, than having the green to the turquoise. The pockets on the front, when you put your hand down in that, you unzip it and you put your hand down in the pocket, that is actually the outside of the duffel bag. So these pockets, they're off of the front of it. Mm -hmm. So when you put stuff in it, it's not actually in your bag. Like sometimes when you put stuff in, in your suitcases or other bags... You put them in that outside pocket, it's also on the inside. It's pushing against the inside. Um, the bag has black on the side panels from the bottom up to where your shoulder strap meets, and the rest of it is turquoise. The zippers are turquoise, and the piping around on the inside and the outside of the outer pocket is black. The piping around the top where the zipper is at top is black. 
and there is a black leather rectangle that is on the top above the mesh and that is black mesh and that will have the ACB written on it. Okay and so and all the rest of the bag is then the color. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay so it'll be a, a, a really different look than what we've had because in the past the the bags have been pretty much you know black or gray or whatever these tote bags are they do come in those colors but you can also get it in a colorful uh, yellow or orange or turquoise the, the different colors as well okay now let's talk about our uh, our wine tumbler this is one of the items that you can purchase from the registration form when you pre-register this year you're going to be able to buy several items on the pre-registration form if you would like and one of them is an ACB stemless wine tumbler this is a 13 ounce double wall stainless steel vacuum insulated tumbler it keeps your drinks hot or cold it includes a clear push-on lid with a sip through opening now Patty that's not an opening that's going to close this is intended to be used at home or in your office at your desk or whatever right yeah it's not a travel mug right right the ACB logo is laser engraved which is always a nice very classy feature and it's an interesting color it's it's iridescent so explain that to us well iridescent um, means that it picks up the light and so there's different colors it's mainly pink purple and blue but however you're moving it around it can pick up the light pick up from the light it'll pick up a yellow tones and green tones it just depends on what color lighting you're in it's really neat because no matter how you move around it's never going to look the same but it's going to pick up light in many different ways sometimes if you have a very bright vivid shirt on it could pick up the light from that too the light that hits your shirt can hit that and make it look darker or lighter so it's pretty cool okay and as I said that can be purchased either when you pre-register or it can be purchased uh, if you want to call and place an order by phone uh, there's a number of other items in fact there's 10 items that you can buy that are many mall items on the registration form this year but of course there are many other items that there just wasn't room to put everything on the registration form. So you'll be able to, to pick those up as well. Um, Patty, let's talk a little bit about the path to the future image that we have because it's really different this year. This is the first time we've had a virtual convention. We don't have a specific city skyline to include in our picture or a feature from that city we're not having a convention in a city this is a convention that is literally in cyberspace Correct. and so our picture is a virtual scene the sky is dark purples with streaks of white and blue and pink yellow and orange lights that are rushing down a highway and they this highway goes through a globe with white stars and it's rushing toward a cyber city tell us what that cyber city is a cyber city the look it's different lights 
streaks of light that look and depict buildings. But there's really no building there. So you can see through the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're different colors. It'll start out like yellow at the end of it and it'll even though it's a thin line it goes to the dark um, where you wouldn't you know see that part of the building anymore but it, it's really neat the the lights rushing around it, it really brings in like a true cyber city if you were up in space when we get our space force going and <laughs> and you know we're in space I see that this would be like something like it would be true of how we would be going around. It's it's truly uh, depicts the path to the future. Yes. That's our convention theme. Yep. And all of these lights are rushing down this highway on the path to the future. Um, we have ACB in print and Braille is in white in the in the night sky uh, at the top right of the image. Correct. And um, and and this. It also most of the items say "Path to the Future," uh, also on them. Some and that the, is at the bottom in okay. the background mm-hmm. um, is one of the purples that was in the bright sky. It's white writing on that purple. Okay. At the bottom. All right. And items that we have that you can order on registration, or again, if you wish to call the mini mall and just order them that way, uh, we have the. We have mugs and shot glasses, magnets and messenger bags, keepsake boxes, and this year we have a new latte mug as well that we've gotten a lot of compliments on. A lot of people really like this this picture, and uh, if you want to see what it looks like... Um, it's on the registration there, form. Yeah, there is a picture of it on the, uh, on the pre-registration form. If you go online... Uh, and if you can see the picture, I think you'll enjoy taking a look at it. If not, um, if you have a friend that can describe it to you as well, I think you're going to enjoy that. So we'd also like some feedback on if you like being able to order many mall things on the registration form. So let's explain how people can order from the mini mall. Um, you can place an order for any of the items on the registration form by simply including it in your cart for registration. If you wish to order things um, besides what's on the registration form, or if you'd like to call and chat a little more about the items that are in the mini mall and ask a few questions, you can do that by calling 877-630-7190. 877-630-7190. We do have a mini mall Uh, website but we ask that you please not use that website at this time as it is in the process of being completely updated and you won't be able to see any of our new items on that website right now so again give us a phone call at 877-630-7190 and also watch for us to uh, be holding some Uh, calls in Cindy Van Winkle's community calls that she's been holding during the weeks. Our first one is going to be on uh, Tuesday, May 26th, and we probably will have uh, a community call every week or two after that if people are interested in calling in 
and chatting about many mall items and asking questions. So be sure to check the community call lists that come out. We hope that you'll also let us know what you enjoy uh, and what, what new products you'd like us to have in the mini mall. There's always something new. This last week, we got in um, masks in a lot of different colors. They're selling out really rapidly, but um, you could give us a phone call and see if there's any left by the time you hear this message. There's always something new at the ACB mini mall. Patty, thanks for being with us today on Soundprints. You're welcome. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.